This episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast, is brought to you in partnership with Thermo Fisher Scientific. Thermo Fisher's cell therapy processing instruments are designed to help customers transition from process development to commercial manufacturing, utilized as standalone devices or integrated as part of a closed modular process. Thermo Fisher Scientific recommends Gibco CTS DynaSelect Magnetic Separation System, which is a next-gen cell isolation and activation instrument. Gibco CTS Xenon Electroporation System allows customers full control to optimize for a variety of cell types and payloads. And Gibco CTS Rotea Counterflow Centrifugation System is a closed cell processing system supporting a broad range of protocols for cell separation, washing, and concentration. Customers can rely on and streamline their drug development process with Applied Biosystems Qualtrac qPCR and dPCR quality control tools for robust and reliable genetic analysis across various phases of drug development, supported by relevant, compliant documentation. Greetings, listeners, and welcome to this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast. At the time of this recording, I'm attending the 2023 PDA Advanced Therapy Medicinal Products Conference in Baltimore, Maryland. And my very special first ever in-person guest on the podcast is Stephen Krauss, PhD, Executive Director, ASNT CT Global Quality at Bristol Myers Squibb. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me. This is great. Yes, thank you for having me. Absolutely. It's very good to be here. Good, good. All right, so... What I want to talk first about is your professional background and your current role at Bristol-Myers Squibb. So talk us through exactly what you're working on and as well as a little bit of your background. Yeah. So I spent most of my post-PhD years in the quality organization, uh, working mostly for in, in the commercial biologic space um, in various leadership roles. I also spent several years in product development organization when I was at AstraZeneca. Um, so about one year at BMS now. And uh, certainly my experience was really broadened uh, in product development and commercialization while at AstraZeneca. And um, that was really helpful for me to understand face-appropriate quality elements uh, more so than if you just work in one area. So that was really helpful. Um, most noteworthy probably in my career uh, the 20 years of external advocacy I have been um, involved with for industry uh, and I used the uh, PDA as, for ex- as in one, one avenue of doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, starting with best practice publications and presentations in the early 2000s and then I, I worked up in uh, more leading roles uh, and uh, it uh, I just wanted to, however, um, uh, give my lessons learned really is that um, the, the earlier you can um, get into, into a leading role, the more you can promote yourself, your company, uh, it, it will probably be a faster uh, <laughs> upward trend in terms of the recognition of actually being recognized as an expert. It's one thing of always um, thinking Yes, I'm an expert. I do something really well. I have got something to say. Um, that's for the others to judge, right? And so in order really to, for things to come around and to be recognized, um, uh, it, it takes a long time. So for me, it took about 10 years. 
to get to the level where I started getting industry awards, where I got it, uh, inv invitations to pretty much everything, where I had all these opportunities to, to, to rise externally, let's say. Uh, and the ultimate recognition of my expertise came when I was invited by the uh, agencies directly to train their staff um, on, in my specialized area. So that happened multiple times with multiple agencies. That to me was the ultimate recognition to be recognized by the agencies as the industry expert. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. so um, you know, most of us will probably never get to this level, but um, there is a lot that, that you can do in the external world. And uh, it's, uh, if it's just benchmarking alone, that's already worthwhile doing. So that's my experience here, yeah. Good, good, okay. Well, um, for the PDA conference, you are the co-chair. And I wanna talk to you a little bit about what you and your planning committee, why you selected the themes and the topics that you did, and what specifically do you want to ensure that you know will be covered throughout the two-day event so that every attendee leaves here having learned and gleaned real value? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, uh, all topics and themes selected for this event uh, contain significant gray zone areas for current ATMP CMC development and commercialization challenges. So we, we really didn't um, uh, pick anything other than uh, opportunities for us. Uh, that, and all of the topics really came out of the advisory board that, we, that uh, I started three years ago. Uh, with my um, colleague at the time, uh, Michael Blacken. And so that's basically uh, everything covered and discussed is really uh, current opportunities to develop more guidance, more industry practice. And uh, again, that's also the mission of PDA to do, to do such thing, right? Uh, and uh, so I don't, I don't, no topic really stands out in a way that I feel is more underdeveloped than another topic. I think all topics are to some degree underdeveloped uh, and need more best practice and uh, mutual agreement and recognition, quite frankly. Because mm -hmm. um, oftentimes the agencies, they're, they're, they put something out there in a draft guidance or guidance, and we don't really fully interpret the, the intent of this and what the expectation is um, by the agencies, right? Because they are not always very, very prescriptive and we have to be able to interpret that. And I think, again, PDA does a lot uh, for that, uh, helping with the interpretation. And I think this, this uh, event is designed to help with that as well, to discuss things and um, find out what really exactly is, is the, the missing uh, uh, point here that, that we, we're not getting as, as sponsors, right? Um, yeah. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does seem that, you know, especially at events like this and certainly through PDA, there, uh, there, there's a lot of information that is worked on collectively at the show. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, now, you're moderating a session titled Industry and Agency Perspectives for Analytical Method Life Cycle Steps. So when we're recording this episode, this will air after the conference has concluded. Um, but if you could, share with our listeners who maybe aren't in attendance today what you'll cover during that session and some of the key takeaways from that discussion. Yeah, so we will cover a practical experience with analytical method development validation and life cycle management as presented by KITE. 
uh, Kite is one of the, the leading organizations in this space, so it's really good to have uh, the subject matter experts from Kite there giving it their experience. I think we're all looking forward to hearing this. Um, uh, on the, the, the session representing essentially the agency, um, our cyber uh, expert um, will, will basically represent not just CBA as a review and an approval, but will provide advice of uh, their experience um, with, with being the receiver of this information mm -hmm. and the approval of this uh, information. And so I think that's uh, very uh, uh, interesting and, and covers really, it's intended to cover um, what um, the agency um, sees and reviews also uh, in an IND space. And then certainly more importantly, in, when, it, when it comes to BLA, right? Uh, and that should, that should step up it into the BLA and the marketing authorization. And so that will be really interesting to hear uh, Siebert's perspective from somebody that has a ve is very experienced there, especially in the potency area. Um, so uh, some key takeaways will be lessons learned from, from these industry leading organizations uh, also coming out of the discussions. The, um, and I think it's unclear still where, um, what phase appropriate means to each of those CMC steps that um, we collectively working on. Uh, another initiative that I have been um, involved with heavily uh, with PDA is uh, something that will be published uh, next year as well will be a technical report that covers phase appropriate uh, quality elements um, and as a specific annex for cell and gene therapies. Um, and I'll be leading a lot of these efforts. And I think that's, that's another area where uh, industry is struggling with is when are we doing too little and when are we doing too much? Right. Yeah, that's a really good mm -hmm. point. Okay. Um, now, I know you're the co-chair, but what are you yourself interested in learning more at this conference? What, do you, what are you here to look for? What are you taking back to your team when you go back to BMS? Yeah, so um, I would say I haven't really looked at anything specific topic that uh, I would say, oh, I'm going to take this back. Um, I, in my now pretty long experience working externally uh, for like 20 years, I'm usually really well informed, uh, more so than most people, because I, I make an effort to be informed, because sure. I'm an opportunist, so I look for gaps and opportunities to um, make a difference. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't really have a topic where I look into it's like, oh, I want to learn more about it. But because I know I'm going to hear, uh, I'm also the chair of the advisory board, right? So I'm going to hear everything anyways. Um, and all of these topics that we selected come out of the advisory board. But I would say, uh, I look forward most uh, for benchmarking. Um, where does BMS fit in terms of uh, are we uh, the world leader in every aspect, right? Or which areas uh, we will should work on to become a world leader for which processes? Uh, and so that's kind of where, where I'm thinking is I want to see where we fall in uh, as objective as possible. To, and that, to take that information back is that, okay, this area we're doing great. Uh, we are, we are on, uh, ahead of the, the pack. Uh, and in this area, we're behind, potentially. And we'll need to do something there. 
Sure. So that's my, that's the the the, the um, information I like to take back to BMS and my team. Yeah, good. That makes a lot of sense. Um, throughout 2023, what are a few of your primary focus areas for cell therapy? Yeah, my focus area are simply where opportunities exist to improve guidance for industry and relevant regulations for cell therapies. Uh, my, my personal interest uh, this year is to publish best practices for a topic that I just kind of list out um, for you uh, mm-hmm. to, to also for understand for you and the, the, li- the, the listeners that, that um, those are areas of opportunities, mm-hmm. right? Um, and uh, I will be doing more presentations, more white papers. I'm also writing, putting a standard out um, that's going to come out in August uh, this year that for public consultation that will be an industry standard okay. in my area. Um, I've been, I've been uh, chairing this. I'm the initiator and chair and, and basically primary author of pretty much everything. Uh, but it, it's def, it's a it's a work with the with the agencies with with um, multiple FDA, um, uh, Health Canada, and other agencies and industry experts. And there's five of us that actually sit on the ICH Q2 Q14 working group. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's a tremendous amount of of ex- expertise and impactful group of people working on this standard. And so, uh, so just as a heads up to look out for this one, as, as it will be intended to help industry to do what it takes to, to get uh, a license, essentially. Perfect. And you said August? Yes. Okay. All right. We will be on the lookout for that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so to coming back to the topics of uh, where I think additional work is needed uh, and will come out. So... Um, uh, capacity validation, right? So this is a huge topic that industry is just um, very um, immature at, and uh, it's not a it's not a very well published topic. So, and it, what it means is that um, for autologous products, uh, cell therapies that we make, uh, it is uh, uh, critical to to sh- to demonstrate to the agency that you actually can reliably manufacture and test uh, a certain amount of product safely, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and don't have all kinds of deviations, all kinds of microbiological hits and, and, and this and that. So that, that is uh, something that the industry needs, needs to do well, um, as that is going to be a requirement that is a new requirement and that's specific for autologous products. Yeah. That's something the our industry is not yet ready for that quite. Um, so that's something I intend to publish, best practice. Good, okay. Uh, then um, what I mentioned already is quality uh, elements that are specific to the development phase. Uh, how much validation work you have to do early, how, how tight and uh, do you have to be when uh, it comes with other quality, critical quality systems elements. Um, that uh, may impact your, your, your quality, your product quality. How do you um, do control strategy? When do you start? Um, what do you do? And, um, and so there'll be more coming. Then um, my personal area of expertise is, uh, is of course, analytical. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'll, as I mentioned, I will, I'll bring out that standard. And that standard itself is focused on a standard 
a, a practice and acceptance uh, and recovery process, right? Something nobody talks about is how do you recover from failures? Mm -hmm. So it has instructions, it has agreed to instructions that I um, negotiated with the FDA when I was there and invited and had that tough presentation. Um, but I wanted to talk about how do we recover? How do we, how do we talk about in the first place about something that's, a t that's not supposed to happen? Yeah. Right. And so I did, and um, that, was, that goes back to 2012. And um, I was, it was a tough, tough uh, talk, but I, it, it, was, it was needed for industry. Um, right. Because we, we really should look into pre-established uh, recovery conditions um, when we have failures. So that, that a, lot of, a lot of us in the industry, we don't do that up front. We kind of just wing it when, when something bad happens. And that's not good, uh, right, for, for many reasons. Right. So, so that's a huge topic. So that will also be covered uh, in this standard. Uh, and then another big topic is with this uh, regulatory framework by the FDA now allowing a platform procedures to actually now have a definition mm -hmm. and a legal framework for platform processes, platform procedures. And, read, and uh, with the training I've done at the FDA and uh, other agencies and all the work that I've done with PDA and the publications, uh, I think industry now is ready and agencies are ready to receive it now, uh, are these, these platform processes and um, in, in a legal framework. So, so that's a huge step up for industry and very valuable because it, it means to us when we um, use established conditions. ICHQ 12 is out now, right? Established conditions. Once we use established conditions, the FDA is now able to fully recognize that in submissions, and mm -hmm. and um, and we uh, it, it, it's tremendous opportunities for for large manufacturers where we use a lot of platform processes and procedures. Okay, that's mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, and and one more thing is the yeah. <laughs> is the. Uh, the multi-laboratory control program. So uh, I think it was, uh, many of us saw that already in this draft guidance that came out last year by yes. the FDA, talked about uh, a reference control lab and, and people like, what, the, what does that even mean? <laughs> so uh, of course my presentation today is about that uh, concept and how to stage that. Uh, there needs to be more work done. And so I'm gonna heavily publish in this area where um, there is very little published, uh, and um, so that will be a high-value work specifically for autologous products. Okay, okay. Now, when when can listeners and just the general public maybe anticipate that? Yeah, so uh, I'm looking for end of the year. Okay. Uh, possibly uh, formally being ready in print format next year. Perfect. Okay, great. Good. All right, listeners, well, that wraps up this episode of Cell and Gene, the podcast with my guest, Bristol Myers Squibb, Stephen Krauss, PhD. Stephen, thank you so much for your time and insight. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. It was a real pleasure. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, listeners, we'll talk to you soon.